This morning we're going to be reading from Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 through chapter 2 verse 10. It'll be Jonah 1, 17 to 2, 10. But before we read those verses, I want to refresh your memory of the beginning of Jonah just a little bit. Jonah's a pretty familiar story, but it'd be good to have everything in our minds as we open up the Bible. So at the beginning of the book of Jonah, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, and it tells him to go preach in the city of Nineveh. And Jonah does not want to go there. So instead of going to Nineveh, he takes off in the opposite direction. He gets on a ship headed to Tarshish, which was at the other end of the known world from Nineveh. But the Lord sends a huge storm on the sea after Jonah, and the people on the boat eventually figure out that Jonah is the one to blame. And in the end, to make the storm calm down, they have to throw Jonah into the sea. And then right away, the storm stops, and the sailors on that boat worship the Lord God for saving them. But then, in Jonah 1.16, Jonah's in the sea, He's sinking down to the depths, apparently going down to his death in the water. So that is where we start with Jonah in Jonah 1, verse 17. The word of the Lord for us today. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, when I was growing up, I would occasionally, not very often, unless you get the wrong idea about me, but I would occasionally go cliff diving. In cadets and then later in youth group, we'd sometimes go rafting on a river up in the Colorado Rockies, and there was this one particular spot on the river that had some great cliffs. It was at a certain bend, so the water was always deep, and it was a great place to jump. Now, these cliffs were maybe 25 feet high, and we'd pull up the rafts on the side of the river, and then the brave or the foolish among us would kind of climb up and around up the cliff and go up on top. And now when you get to the top of a 25-foot cliff, from the bottom looking up from the raft, it looked pretty high. But when you got up to the top of that 25-foot monster, things started to look a little different. You'd sort of have this thing going in your head, what am I doing? Why am I jumping off of this rock? That water down there looks cold and dark and far away. And a fair number of people got up there and stood on the edge for a while. I remember one girl stood for about 10 minutes, and then she'd back up, and then she'd step up, and then she'd back up, and then they'd go back down the cliff. 
but other people would get up there and they'd take that flying leap and then you'd have the couple seconds of air whistling around your head and then bam, you'd hit the water, you'd go down, you'd be out of breath, it'd be dark down there and then you'd pop back up to the fresh air and the light and it was all kinds of fun. At least some people thought so. But at that moment at the top of the cliff before you jumped in and at that moment when you were down in that water, those moments really, they could get your heart racing. Now in Jonah 1 and 2, Jonah is doing a great big cosmic cliff jump. He is taking a huge leap out and down away from the solid rock of God's plan. Now, of course, part of this is that Jonah, or God told Jonah to go in one direction toward Nineveh, and he went the opposite direction toward Tarshish. But there's a lot more to it than that. The book of Jonah wants us to see this as a deeper problem than Jonah just taking the wrong road out of town. Several times in Jonah 1, it we're told that Jonah goes down. He goes down to the port of Joppa. He goes down into a boat. He goes down to the inside of that boat. And then when the storm comes, he tells the sailors to throw him overboard down into the sea. And finally, Jonah does get thrown into the depths of the sea. Now, of course, for us here today, we know that's not a good thing, but we don't really sense exactly how bad that would have been like people who lived in the ancient world would have. And to understand what's really going on in this ancient text, we need to understand how ancient people pictured the universe. Now, we today, of course, have a particular picture of how the universe works. We think the earth is round, the moon goes around the earth, the earth goes around the sun, the sun is part of a galaxy of however many billion stars, and so on and so forth. But ancient people didn't think about the world that way. They really didn't care what was revolving around what else up in the sky. They thought about the universe in terms of how things functioned or in terms of who lived in what spaces. And in fact, they pictured the universe basically on four levels. The first level was the heavens, the sky up there. And God lived above the sky, and the sky was sort of the, if you want to call it, the floor for where God or where the gods dwelled. And there were some holes in that that they poured the water through, and the sun and the moon and the stars and the clouds all kind of hung up down underneath that solid dome up there. And that dome was supported by mountains that kind of sat around the edge of the earth. But then if you came down from the heavens, the next step down was the earth. The earth was the realm of humanity. This is where people lived. If you were on the earth, you were safe and secure. It was where you belonged. But then if you kept going down in the world, you'd come to the sea. And the sea in the ancient Israelite conception was the place of chaos and uncertainty and danger. Yeah, people traveled on the sea, people fished, they did all of that. But any time you went out on that water, it was a gamble. There was risk. There was uncertainty. So you would expect an Israelite to be a little bit worried every time he went out on the ocean or on the sea. But then if you went down from there, if you went down into the depths of the sea, down, down, down to the bottom of the world, Well, people thought the mountains that held up the earth also had foundations that went down, down, down to somewhere. And down there at the bottom of the sea was the underworld. It was the place of the dead. It was the place where there was no light, no life. Everything was dark, and you were as far away from the good things of life as you could get. So there was the depths, there was the sea, there was the earth, and there was the heavens. And in the story of Jonah... 
Well, Jonah kind of goes through all four of those levels. So when Jonah chooses to disobey God's call, he isn't just running west instead or west instead of east. He's actually going down to the bottom of the world to escape from God. Really, Jonah is running away from God, not running away from Nineveh. In Jonah 1, and even in Jonah 2, he's been jumping off of cliffs to get farther and farther and farther away from the Lord. When God's word comes to Jonah from up on high from the heavens, Jonah leaves his city, and he goes down to this port city, Joppa, away from God. And then he goes down into a boat once he gets there to get away from God. And then he goes down into the bottom of the boat as if he could hide from the Lord God. And then when the Lord sends the storm and the sailors realize that Jonah's the one to blame and Jonah realizes that he's not going to get away from the Lord on that boat, Jonah's automatic reaction is to flee deeper and deeper away from the heavens. Now we might think by the time Jonah's gone that far, and he's standing on the deck of that boat, and he's looking down into the bottom of the world, that he might step back from the edge a little bit, and he might think about what he's doing. And maybe he'd decide to turn around and put his face back toward the land and toward the Lord God. But Jonah faces that choice. Is he going to turn around, or is he going to keep going away from God into the depths of the sea? And Jonah hardly pauses. He takes a flying leap! And he goes down into the depths. He gives up all hope. He runs away from God in every single way that he could, down to the very bottom of the world. Jonah's song in chapter 2, he sings it after he's been saved, But that song tells us that he feels like he'd gone to the bottom of the world. Verse 2 says he was calling on God from the depths of the grave or from the realm of the dead. Verse 3 says he was in the heart of the seas. Verse 5 says he was surrounded by the deep. Verse 6 says he was down at the roots of the mountains. Verse 6 sounds like he had fallen into the underworld and like the earthen gates of the underworld had slammed and barred shut behind him forever. Jonah is beyond all hope at this point. He's been running down and down and down away from God. He has jumped off of every cliff that he comes to, and now apparently he succeeded in his goal. He's down in the pit, and he's finished forever. Now, sometimes when I was cliff diving, you'd hit the water in a certain way and all the air would get knocked out of you and you would really go down. And you'd be down there in that dark water, it'd be cold, you'd feel the river's current starting to pull you downstream and you'd have that moment of wondering, am I going to get out of here? What's going to happen to me? All of us have our Tarshish moments when we run one direction when God wants us to go the other direction for a little while. But much more deeply than that, most of us have our buried-in-the-sea moments when we feel like we have drowned spiritually. Sometimes we choose to run away from God, and we keep running and running and running, and then we hit a point when we wonder if God is ever really going to want us to come back. For others of us, life is just hard for all kinds of reasons, and we can feel like we've been abandoned at the bottom of the world. But whether it's because of our choices or because of our life circumstances, 
Most of us have seasons down in those dark depths. But our problem goes much, much deeper than just feeling spiritually sunk sometimes. All human beings, all of us, we all start out hopelessly buried in our troubles. The Bible tells us that apart from God, all people are dead in their sin. Spiritually speaking, we all start up in the depth, start out in the depths. Even before we realized that we were locked up in the realm of the spiritually dead, and we just kept on sinking deeper and deeper and deeper. Just like Jonah, all of humanity has jumped into the depths away from God, and we have been dragged down and down and down. Now, when you would jump into the river, and you'd have that literally sinking feeling, there would come to this point when your downward momentum would stop, and then it would feel like this huge hand had reached down and yanked you back out of the water. You'd get down there, and your life vest would do what it was supposed to do and pull you back up to the surface, back up to light, back up to air. And everybody in our group always wore life vests jumping off those cliffs because if something went wrong, that life vest would be your salvation. Now, in the story of Jonah, even when Jonah has taken the ultimate plunge away from God, even when he's jumped off the last cliff, even when he's down deep in the water and all hope is lost, God has still got hold of him. In chapter 1, verse 17, the Lord sends a great fish and it swallows Jonah. And for Jonah, that fish is literally a godsend. It is a divinely sent life preserver to save that disobedient, troublesome sinner of a prophet. Now, granted, being in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights doesn't sound all that pleasant, but this isn't punishment. This is salvation. When Jonah had put himself beyond all hope, God miraculously, providentially provided for his salvation. And God has done the same for us. When we were in the dark, dark depths, when we were as good as dead, God's hand reached down and pulled us back out. And it's not just that God gave us a life vest or God threw us a life preserver. God himself in Jesus came down into the depths to find us. Now, there's a lot of ways we can think about that, but one way is to think of when we recite the Apostles' Creed and we use that little phrase that Christ descended into hell. Now, that's a difficult phrase to unpack, and people disagree about exactly what it means. But the way the Heidelberg Catechism explains it, and I think it gets it right, the creed tells us that Jesus descended into hell in order to assure us during attacks of deepest dread and temptation that Christ our Lord, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul, on the cross, but also earlier, has delivered us from hellish anguish and torment. Finally, when Jonah was sinking down into the sea, he called out to God, and God provided for him. For us, when we were sinking into the depths, Jesus came, and he went all the way down to rock bottom. Christ Jesus suffered, as the catechism puts it, hellish anguish, pain, and terror of soul on our behalf. Jesus literally went into the grave to find us. Just like Jonah was in the fish for three days and three nights, Jesus was in the earth for three days and three nights. 
If we think about that picture of the ancient world, Jesus came down from the heavens to the earth, and then he went down, down, down to the bottom of the world, the place where nobody ever wanted to go, the place of terror and darkness Jesus willingly went to for us. And now, no matter how bad things have been for us, no matter the depth of your despair, no matter how far you feel like you've sunk into the sea, Jesus has been there, and he has been deeper than that. And he is able to bring you all the way back up. We baptize two babies today, and baptism has all kinds of deep meanings. But one of the deepest meanings of baptism is that God brings his people back from certain death. In baptism, we remember and believe that God has delivered us when we were buried in the depths. In baptism, we pass through the waters of death. But then also in baptism, God comes to us and he brings us back into life. And the waters that used to symbolize death and chaos and uncertainty, now they become a spring of water welling up inside of us for eternal life. In Jesus' life and death and resurrection, we have a sign in our own lives that death is not permanent, that the depths cannot hold on to us, that God will pull us up into new life, and that he will really raise us from the dead. And so, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, all of us were baptized into his death. We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. Really, truly, our salvation comes from the Lord, now and forever.